Hey everyone, welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Centennial Podcast. And today we have uh, Santa Bennett on the show with us. Uh, very delighted that you could join us from the North Pole today, Bennett. Uh, and we're going to talk about a few topics here. Uh, of course, we're going to start off by reviewing Ottawa's games against Florida, Tampa, and Philly. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Kevin Bieksa and all the controversy from his comments during the Philadelphia game. Uh, we'll talk about how the Sens could improve their in-arena uh, I guess entertainment or just something to drive a little more fan attendance if that is indeed a factor. We'll do an all-time Ottawa Sense starting lineup by beautiness, by how studly they are, not by their production on the ice. So I know other Matt is just rearing to go on that one, so we'll get there. And uh, we'll talk about uh, postponing games into the holiday season here. So uh, let's kick it off. So the Sens go into Florida and stomp the Panthers. The Panthers had only lost one game at home and Sens go into Florida and kill them a two, like just they're dead. Spencer Knight dead. So uh, we'll, we'll start off there. And uh, Ben, if you want to jump off and, and what did you like from the team after that game? Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned Spencer Knight because I was watching that game with my wife and she was like asking, she was like, who's this goalie? Why haven't they pulled him yet? And I was like, Oh, it's Spencer Knight. He's like a young goalie. And, you know, she's like, oh, no, like the poor guy, like he's probably seeing his like career flash before his eyes kind of thing. I was like, actually, he's like the highest like regarding goalie prospect in the game right now, basically. Uh, but this is uh, this was not a showcase night for him. Um, yeah, that was a hell of a game on, on Tuesday night. Uh, it was great. Uh, last Tuesday, uh, it was great to see, you know, all of our big guns get on the board. Uh, we had a, a really uh, probably the, like the most dominant sense performance I've seen in a long time. I mean, sure. Like just the, a, a little bit before that we had shut out Tampa Bay, like four nails. So that was pretty good too. But I mean, when's the last time the Sens put up eight goals? I, I, I was trying to look back and figure it out. And it was like, it was long enough ago that I definitely couldn't think of it off the top of my head. So that's uh that's a something in and of itself. And then, uh, you know, we did wobble a bit after that. I think we dropped the next two. Yeah, against Tampa got their revenge uh, 2-1 a couple nights later. And then uh, that 4-3 OT loss to Philly on Saturday, which was a good game and a game that I don't mind losing. Yeah. Uh, although uh, I think uh, I think we really shot ourselves in the foot there, just running Shabbat into the ground and then sticking him out for overtime when he was clearly just fucked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, not like, not like anything, a knock against him whatsoever. Just, I mean, like the guy played like 30 fucking minutes, like have some, have some mercy and, you know, let him sit out OT, like stick Zuba there or, or something, you know, but, uh, yeah, so that wasn't great, but, uh, you know, I think overall December has been a much, much better month for the Sens. And even if we'd lose a couple close games to teams like Tampa and Florida that we would expect to be losing to anyway, um, you know, I'm uh, uh, sorry, uh, to Tampa and to, I guess, Philly isn't a team we'd necessarily expect to lose to, but, you know, I, I don't mind it. Right. What about you, uh, other Matt? What did you think about the last three games that the Suns played? I I think everything, uh, it, was, it was a good, good couple of games. Um, you know, you want to be, I hate to say it, but you want to, want to be beating the good teams and losing to the bad teams sort of thing. Um, you know, get your showings in, 
uh, pad some stats and then, you know, still be looking for a, a top pick. Well, obviously when you're not ready to be competing and, and, you know, simply put, we're just not there yet. Um, it was awesome to see how many goals they scored against Florida. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people being like, Oh, you know, I don't care for Spencer Knight. Like, uh, you know, he got lit up. It's like, okay. You know, they left him in for all eight. That's, that's brutal. And you don't really see that that often. Um, it's so to, like, I, uh, to Luongo, right. He was the last goalie that got shelled and they just kept him in there. I, it was either him or price. Like I remember, I remember it being a pretty significant thing. Um, but yeah, I feel for the kid. Um, but it was nice to see like the sentence all, all like, uh, all octanes on. And then, you know, you're, you're, you come up against, uh, come up against the, the Tampa Bay lightning who are a strong team and you piss them off and you have a close game there. And I know, I know penalties were really our downfall, um, or bad refing one of the two. Uh, and then, you know, Philly, uh, Forsberg let in a, a, a sort of a bit of a crappy third tying goal and you know we lose in an OT and it is what it is it's it's uh still learning and that's that's sort of how uh that's how I like to see it <laughs> for sure and I actually think that game where the Suns lost to one against Tampa I think that was one of their most complete games this season um it's not really often where you can put in like that kind of performance against a Stanley cup contending team, a team that's won back-to-back cups uh, because the last time the Sens played, uh, played Tampa Bay, they were playing against Elliot. They weren't playing against Vasilevsky. So, you know, for Forsberg to only give up two for the Sens to, you know, get one, you'd wish obviously they could score more than one, but to have it that tight of a game and, and the atmosphere of that game, it really felt like a playoff type matchup. Yeah, it was really cool. And I definitely think that the Sens put everything they could into that game. And, and yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty great to see. Um, when it came to the Philly game, uh, I think, you know, it already came up. Forsberg looked a little shaky at times. Uh, I can't really give him too much crap. Guy has definitely been playing a hell of a lot better in December and is the reason for at least a couple wins, I think. So I'm not going to crap on him too much. And I think it was, you know, Forsberg having, especially on that tying goal, the three, three goal, that one was brutal. And, uh, I, like you said, Bennett and Shabbat, you know, playing, uh, I personally don't mind having Shabbat play 30 minutes. I think he can still play fine, but I think when you leave him out for like two minutes straight in overtime, okay, then, then you're kind of, that's, that's, you're going to shoot much. yourself in the foot that way. It's, it's not good asset management. Like you want to be able to, to spread out your lineup a little more. And, and I find uh, DJ doesn't really do that that well. And I mean, his, it like, his options aren't great. Like if Zub is your second guy there, great, I guess. Like he's, he's not great offensively. Like he's going to be a strong uh, defender and like move the puck out of the zone. But, you know, that's where you really want a guy like Brandstrom who can quarterback that, that uh, the next three on three unit. But uh, yeah. Although I think on a second unit of Batherson Stutzla, like, 
having having a guy like Zoo playing defense isn't a bad idea. Uh, not that Stutzler, Batherson are bad defensively, but just more so like those guys are high high octane offensive guys, and I don't mind seeing a guy like Zoo play behind them uh, because that th- those three players in general could generate offense, even if Zoo isn't you know the the go to guy in those three. Um, but yeah, and, and I think we should talk about Shabbat finally getting his first goal of the season against Tampa. And man, that was a nice one. Absolutely Lovely. just walking McDonough and, and scoring. And I believe later in the game, he walked McDonough again or, or somebody did. And I was just like, man, McDonough. Yeah, I <laughs> can't imagine he'd be too happy about that. <laughs> no, so that was that was a bad game for McDonough, 100%. So, um, but hey, it was nice to see Shabbat get in there, get a goal and, and uh, we'll complain about that one. But, yeah, thoroughly deserved for him. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> about Shabbat, let's get to a bit of the controversy that arose when uh, during the first intermission against the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Sportsnet decided to have a great bit, you know, just, just splendid. Sens fans loved it, where Kevin Bieksa criticized Shabbat's play and um, said he didn't watch the Sens much, but then criticized Shabbat for one period of play. And uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> like, not, do you not, even uh, think he watched like the entirety of the game? Or, well, hey, there wasn't much hockey on. There were like what five games postponed that night. That was like half yeah. the games in the league were postponed for that yeah. day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what were your guys' thoughts on on his comments about Shabbat? It's it's pretty par for the course for Sportsnet coverage, um, and like. You know, they are the they're the big ticket in town. They have the the national rights. But you know, I I I saw um a tweet basically saying, like, you know, go into things prepared, like do your homework. Um, you know, you I can't imagine uh Gord Miller, you know, saying something like that, or like even Jamie McClennan, like the guy has a has a bit about like Ottawa history and stuff like that. Like he knows and watches games, so he talks about it well enough. Whereas um, some of the guys that don't do uh, coverage as much on as much on TSN, like you can tell. Um, but you know, I I find you know Cheryl Pounder who has done quite a few games for the Sens, her analysis is way more apt than one that, you know, watches five games of, you know, the Sens collectively across uh, up until this point during the season. And, you know, Kevin Bieksa says that, you know, Shabbat gives uh, gives his, his coach a lack of sleep and stuff like that. And it's, it's just... It's not a good look, especially considering you're talking about one of the best defensemen in the league, especially how good he's been in the last five games. Um, just in general for most of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like he's really he's really improved himself. Um, and like he's on one in these last five games because he does those like uh one on ma- on man rushes and just makes the defender look stupid uh and that you know the goalie's been saving them but up until the Tampa game uh it's just it it looks unprofessional not in the sense that he, it looks like he has a like a 
grudge or anything, but it just looks like he didn't do his homework. Yeah. Um, couple, couple of interesting things to point out here. First of all, contrary to what BX was saying about how, you know, Shabbat had a couple of bad breaks in that period. And it's the kind of thing that makes coaches lose sleep at night. Thomas Shabbat is probably the only reason DJ Smith can sleep at night. Like my God, looking at the rest of the def- this defensive court, most of the time he's tossing and turning back and forth all night in a cold sweat. And then the last <laughs> thought he has before he goes to bed is, Oh fuck it. At least, no matter what, I can always play Shabbat 30 minutes yeah, a night. Shabbat <laughs> is literally like the cold side of the pillow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I will I will say slightly in Sportsnet's defense, although I do agree with most of what you said there, Matt, uh, is that, um, you know, first, first Ron McLean during that segment, like grilled BXL on that and like, like basically like was like, I don't think, because where there's that bit where BXL was saying that like, he had misunderstood what like the commentator had said. It's like, oh, this is the same team we thought we'd see this year because the commentator had meant it in a positive sense of like, it was so bad to start the season, but the last month have been really competitive. And that's what people expected. Whereas Bieksa, who watches three cents games a year, all on Hockey Night in Canada, when he's sitting there in that room, uh, was like, oh yeah, you know, he was saying that the Sens were supposed to be this bad all year long. And Ron McLean was like, that's not at all what he was saying. <laughs> and Ron McLean fucking called the guy back to like get him to, you know, stick it to BXA live on air. Like that's two minutes so later, funny. he called the guy, the commentator, like the, like the color commentator into their, like, uh, into their panel discussion in the intermission. I was like, hey, can you clarify what you said to prove that I'm right and that Kevin Bieksa is wrong? <laughs> so first of all, hilarious. Uh, and then second of all, in the next game after, I was watching the Edmonton... Um, oh, fuck. Who were Edmonton playing? Um, was it... Was it like St. Louis or something? Oh, it was the Kraken. That's who it was. Edmonton were playing the Kraken in the, the second part of the doubleheader. And in the first intermission, again, uh, David Amber, who was hosting that segment, was like grilling Bieksa about it. He was like, <laughs> oh, do you have any, you know, what are some like negatives for Seattle here or something that, you know, don't have to do with Thomas Shabbat or something like that. That's so pretty funny. in their defense, they they kind of they kind of called them to task for it. But I do agree with mostly what you're saying. It's like this is part of like, you know, as Sens fan, we just do it. Like, you know, you get the national coverage, you get the national, you know, biases and stuff. It's like the Sens are a small market team. People who are not in the Ottawa area or who have no connection to the Sens don't watch Sens games. And that's that's just a fact. And so, you know, BXA, unless if he did his homework, which he obviously didn't, would not have intelligent things to say about the sense because yeah. he doesn't care and doesn't watch them. And, you know, that is the nice thing about having the TSM coverage two out of three games, you know, for anything yeah. that's on a weeknight is that, you know, those guys, you know, they cover the sense all year long. They do their homework. They always come ready to have intelligent commentary about what's happening on the ice, what's happening around the team at that moment. So, you know, kudos to them, but, uh, yeah, it was a it was definitely a funny moment on Saturday, and uh, boy was Twitter a light over that. <laughs> yeah, I think he was on the Wally and Mathot show today, maybe yesterday. I think it was today though, and he said that it was his bad for that segment. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd have to watch the episode to see how how he said things and and how Mathot and or Wally uh, spelled it out for him or, or gave him shit for it. But uh, yeah, um, anyway. Oh, well, I think as Sens fans, we all know that Shabbat has been 
just on another level this year. And I think as sense fans, we kind of get defensive when our high end players are, are just shot on, on national TV. So that probably has something to do with it. But, uh, I yeah, think I think Sens fans get defensive in general. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. I like Scott Wheeler kind of can be abrasive uh at times or a little what do you call that like arrogant but uh <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it's funny sometimes when um, and this isn't a shot at anyone in particular. It is just kind of like an observed thing where you know somebody will say something about Suns fans and we'll get extremely defensive. Um, or when a player does something really well, we, we want it to be like the top of like TSN's top five, you know, uh, yeah. highlights or whatever. So I, I think it's just because we're a smaller market and there's a lot of good stuff happening with the young players in Ottawa. And I think everyone's just really excited for the future. And so I think because of that, we just, you know, want everyone to be hyped with us, but that's not always the case. And so I think that might have something to do with it, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a little brother syndrome, right? It's, it's so no matter how good or bad the sense are, it is hard to get anyone who isn't a sense fan to care one way or the other, you know, yeah. unless if, you know, we're in like the absolute doldrums of like, say where we were like, a, like three weeks ago with how miserable the month of November was, or, you know, at the trade deadline a couple of years ago where we offloaded Stone and Duchesne and Dezingle, all those guys, you know, like when we're, when we really reached like the absolute, yeah, when like, we were the dumpster fire of the league, you know, we, people are chattering about the sense, uh, or if we have like a really, really good year or something, but most of the time, like people just like, like people care about how the Leafs do no matter whether the Leafs are doing fantastic, terrible, just kind of somewhere in between. It's like, it's always a story no matter what. Whereas like for the yeah. sense, it's like, we only register if like, you know, we reach the real extremes yeah. and that can be good and bad. Uh, but I mean, that's just, uh, I know personally, it's like, it's, it's so hard to get like my other hockey friends to like care about sense goings on like 90% of the time, just cause like, which is not interesting to most people. Well, yeah, people love seeing the tire fire, tire fire, and when they're not the tire fire, but just like meh, nobody's gonna care. And then, yeah. you know, once we start winning, like having having winning streaks and stuff, and you know, Sutsla and and Kachuk and all of those guys start hitting their 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 peak performances, people are gonna start talking. But yeah, you know, I, mean, like, I don't Drake, think. This, Drake Batherson like might be like the most underrated player in the league now, or would certainly be in the conversation for it. Considering like, I feel like people aren't really talking about him that much yet. He's on like an insane points pace right now. And, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's been yeah. clearly like the best forward on a team that has otherwise struggled and has just been like super consistent and game breaking, you know, like almost every week. And, uh, you know, I think this is, this is absolutely his breakout season. And yet, you know, if he played for like a Toronto or Montreal or something, you know, like we'd be hearing about him constantly. Um, but, you know, so and I think, like he go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say going into the season two, I remember uh, hearing that some analysts had been like, why are the Sens giving this like no name guy almost like five mil a year? And, and now, 
you know, the Sens could have given him seven, eight million a year, and we'd be like, yeah, that's a fine contract for how he's producing. Yeah. And he's yep. making under five until he's 29 years old. So, his I mean, his point per game oh, is it, it, like, it, um, is is better than Matthews right now, and I mean, I I saw on Twitter when when people were like, "Oh, Drake Batherson's better than Austin Matthews," <laughs> and Mitch Marner confirmed, and then people were like, "He he has more points than him," and it was like, "Yeah," but but then you adjust it to how how many points he has per game comparatively. You're actually and, proving our point yeah. even more, and no, I thought and, that was really funny. And aside from that, he had COVID too. Like, yeah, this dude is tearing yeah. it up, even though he just came back from COVID like what a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I think end of November. So almost three weeks now, but still, like, dude was gone for how many days? 10. And then yeah. comes back in and is like, oh, yeah, it's not like I missed anything. Let's go back to scoring a bunch of goals and getting assists. And yeah, he's looked fire. So. But yeah, one. as as you said, Bennett, like until until we get those uh, the credibility that apparently you need to be talked about by national media or like, uh, you know, the big guys we're going to be, you know, dwelling here and, and then having to like, you know, yell into the ether about our 8-2 win over the Florida Panthers. Like, guys, it's one win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it was one three-game winning streak. Like we haven't had a four-game win- winning streak since 2017. Like, just just pump the brakes. Yeah, and I think it's just also to do with the fact that the Sens have lost so much in the last what four or five years that having like even just a small winning streak or having this hope after beating you know Carolina and Tampa and New Jersey. I know New Jersey's kind of been less than stellar this year, but with the additions they made in the off season, they were set to be better. Uh, you know, you beat them and then, you know, shut out Tampa for nothing and then go into Florida and beat them eight two. like, that's nothing to scoff at. Even the two, one loss to Tampa, you're like, guys, Ottawa was in that game the entire time. And you could argue that Ottawa was driving the play for more than 50% of the game. Like these are all really good stepping stones and they're very positive signs, but yeah, like it's, it's not the time to, to get, all like high and mighty and, and hyped up and be like, yeah, look like the Suns are better than your teams. It's like, Hey man, even really good teams have bad nights and yep. let's just wait and until like, those good just, teams are going to be in the playoffs and we won't be. So yeah. And, and, <laughs> and honestly, it's just like, yeah, like we can be excited about those games for sure. But like, you know, gloating about it is, is a bit different. I don't think that we've really earned any right to gloat about big wins like that when this team still has a long way to go before they're considered a, a, like a solid playoff team with a chance to uh, go deep. So, yeah, yeah. like three decent weeks do not counteract like the absolute like abject dumpster fire that the month of November was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's, per- it's perfectly possible for these two things to be simultaneously correct that three weeks ago, the Sens were playing like absolute dog shit. And that three weeks later, you know, where we are now, the Sens are actually playing pretty well and are looking yeah. good. Um, you know, that the, you know, the two do not necessarily cancel each other out. You know, they are both a part of our record and, you know, at the end of the season, we'll see exactly where, you know, where that record takes us. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, the one thing is that the Sens did have like X number of COVID cases, which probably didn't help their November results. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the games still count. They're still on the on the schedule as L's. So, yeah. Do we uh, do we need to consider the possibility when the biggest talking point at the end of November was Matt Murray getting sent down to the AHL? And we all stood here and said, uh, and I stand by what I said, that Matt Murray was not the problem with the team at the time. And, you know, yeah. we were losing those games. You know, the goaltending, yes, the goaltending was bad. Uh, he wasn't even playing in that many of those games, all things considered. But, you know, goaltending was bad, but everything was bad. You know, it wasn't his fault, to, like, by himself. Uh, ever since we sent Murray down to the AHL, the team has been playing better, generally. I mean, not every single night, but generally the... the the overall trend has been improving. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think they're necessarily related, but it is kind of like ironic that we all stood here and said, Matt Murray is, Matt Murray is getting scapegoated. Like, yeah, he hasn't been good, but this isn't his fault. But then like we sent him down and immediately like Forsberg and shit started like taking off. It's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm going to stand by it because again, in November, a lot of the roster had COVID. A lot of these guys were out of the lineup. A lot of main NHL roster guys. Forsberg had a garbage November. Like, I don't yeah. think we should yeah. forget that Forbers, Forsberg did not play well in November either. No, no, And didn't. neither did Gustafson. Neither did. So yeah. None of them none did. Of, none of the goalies played well yeah. in November. And so, yeah, I, I still think that Matt Murray was definitely scapegoated. Now, the timing looks nice now when Forsberg's playing excellent. Uh, but I think ideally because Gustafson's kind of started to slow down now, I think you put him back in Belleville, bring up Matt Murray. Like you're not looking to go for, for playoffs. You're looking for development. So Gustafson's now had two seasons in a row where he's gotten a nice taste of NHL games. Like I'd say put him in Belleville for the rest of the season. Uh, I know it'll take some time for the, the Ottawa guys to have some confidence in Matt Murray, but I think also Matt Murray needs to uh, make sure that his team is, is at least, uh, able to to rely on him and uh, and vice versa and I don't know uh, I still think it was kind of a scapegoat move but I think because oh, yeah, of how absolutely yeah, yeah I, I, think, I don't disagree at all I think how December has gone has just made people quickly forget and sweep it under the rug so uh, we'll see I, I feel like they they're gonna call him up after the holidays I would expect that like they're not gonna let him rot away in Belleville yeah. they like, kinda, they I don't know I think he's, he's only played two games like and yeah. won one of them like and I now he's I injured think, too right didn't he yeah. injure himself no, no, no. he no he's he COVID down there too yeah so he hurt himself in pregame but he still ended up playing it, it wasn't like a I'm now out for um for a week type injury it was just like pulled something had it checked out it was just like I don't know whatever came back he was fine so Anyway, nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely not tenable in the long term for him to be there. They have to pull him back out sooner yeah, yeah. rather than later. You know, it's it, it makes the team look ridiculous to have their, you know, start their ostensibly their starting goalie who's on, you know, six million plus a year wasting away in the minors. I mean, yeah. like it's it's uh, yeah. it wasn't a good look for the organization when they did it. And it still continues to not be a good look. So they yeah. will eventually have to bring him back. It'd literally yeah. be like a Corey Schneider 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, let's talk about um, how the Sens could make their games a little more entertaining. We don't have to touch on it too long because I know it's not like a topic that's really pressing or, or something that's on the uh, agenda of a lot of people in the market. But, you know, we look at attendance and yes, I know 
obviously COVID plays a role in that, but beyond that, uh, how, how do you guys think that they can improve the atmosphere in games to actually have people drive out to the CTC? And I know I'm, I'm streaming from the uh, CTC right now. Uh, it's, it's cold out, but uh, we're out here. It's all good. Um, yeah. Like how could they drive fan engagement and uh, just in general fan attendance and just, I don't know, improve the experience at games. One of the things that I've been like really pushing for is using their Jumbotron more for like fan participation stuff. And like most specifically, like in game, like during play, um, I'd really like to see them, you know, putting up graphics that say like, you know, get loud or like go sends go and stuff. Because frankly, it's so awkward having like one person having to start a chant for 10 to 12,000 people. And like Sparty Cat's not enough around to bang that drum. You know what I'm saying? Um, so they need a this, second Sparta Cat is what you're saying. They, they, need, they need more like, like fan engagement stuff that uh, is going to see the building get louder. Because I don't know about you guys, but like it can be boring as hell at a game if they are not like if they haven't scored or if they've only scored one in third period, nobody's starting chance. Yeah. Like, and, and it shouldn't be on the fans to start that sort of stuff. So like using your, your jumbotron, like using that for fan engagement. And then one of the other things that, uh, you know, apparently the best game so far this year was the game that DJ prosper was at. Um, and I don't mean like specifically just go with DJ Prosper, I think but he's I am been a couple now. I've only heard he's him at the home like, opener, and then he was at at least one or two others. Okay, so yeah, using him way more would be a really good idea. Um, you know, improved music. You, you hear the same goddamn songs all the time, um, and you know, like stuff like that. It's it's the little things. Um, um, Alex, Alex Marchand, if, if you're uh, watching this, we, we still love you. Sons DJ go sons. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think like they need to, you know, widen their scope. Yep. That's fair. Bennett, what do you yeah. think? Anything? Uh, I mean, it's the boring answer. It's the most obvious answer. It's the answer that everybody always brings up. Um, have a good team. That's, that's what gets people to move, make the check out. Move downtown. Like, yeah. listen, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, moving downtown, you know, it's, it's what we all want eventually. You know, it's it's the dream. Like, I think, like, it'll do so much good for this team to have a downtown arena. But listen, the Sens can sell out CTC when the team is rocking. You know, like, I went to games during the Hamburglar run uh, in... Um, 15, 16 or 16, 17, whatever year that was. I went to a few playoff games in the, the 2017, you know, run to the conference final. Uh, the, the atmospheres there were fantastic. Like they were so great. Um, but 82 games is a long season and it's a long season if the games don't matter. Like if you're like, we are not a playoff team. We haven't been a playoff team for four seasons or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, what 41 home games to watch your team get styled on 
is a lot to ask of people. Yeah. And uh, listen, I mean, I, I take a kind of opposite view to to other Matt. You know, uh, I uh, I am a living embodiment of like the mild mannered public servant who doesn't like to make a lot of noise. It just wants to go to the game and kind of have a quiet time and watch my team in the flash. Like I don't like to make a lot of noise. I I just kind of sit there and talk to myself under my breath, like a crazy person. That's how (laughs) I enjoy my games. I don't need a lot of noise or fan engagement and stuff, but listen, when the team is good, people go and people will deal with the bullshit of driving out to Canada and waiting 30 minutes to get out of the parking lot and all of that stuff. If they can come and watch their team be good. Yeah. And honestly, I think like the fact that it's a pandemic, the fact that the team are mostly bad, the fact that the arena isn't close to downtown, it's like all of these things can consider together are like why we're in the situation that we're in. And, you know, I think some and all of those things have to change. Uh, I was just going to pop in a, a little, a little small thing. Uh, actually, a sprinkler. Yeah, uh, they had this before, and it's no longer there. And it kind of plays on what Matt was saying about the uh, getting the fan engagement during the games up. And I think the send supporter section was a good example of that. It has been uh, quite an empty section in recent years. And yeah, that that section used to pop off. And uh, do they even have the organ player anymore? Like, I don't see the organ player dude really vibing. I don't think so. Uh, do you yeah. guys remember the days of the band? Okay, wait, wait. Before we get on a side tangent, I was just going to say that the sense supporter section, you know, having like little horns, having all the flags, stuff like that. I went to an uh, Atletico Ottawa game and I was in the supporter section and that was a lot of fun. And I just picked up on chants as I watched and I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't really know any of the chants, but you know, as they went through them and repeat them as the game went on, I was like getting really into it and then I was having fun and, and yeah, it was a good time. So I think having a supporter section like that would be a lot of fun, but I think it also kind of plays into what Bennett was saying, where having a good team creates a better atmosphere. I think, you know, you're going to get more people who are like passionate and rowdy coming to the games when it's, it's a little bit uh, of a better performing team on the ice. So that's, that's I like it. my two cents. Okay, so other man had a topic that he wanted to talk about being the all-time Ottawa Senators starting lineup, but not by skill. We're going by how much of a beauty they are, how studly they are, how handsome they were. So, um, yeah, other man, take it away. I mean, it's your show. You know what? No, I, I Bennett, <laughs> I want you to start. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, as we were saying before the show, uh, we're all going to have some extremely cursed uh, Google uh, suggested searches for the next few weeks. So it's going to be, you know, uh, shoving us, uh, you know, beefcake hockey players. Uh, Rip our algorithms. Our our (laughs) algorithms, that's right. Uh, So this, I I had to think long and hard about some of these. You know, I think uh, I've since discovered that uh, the center position is disproportionately attractive compared to the other forward positions. I yes. had a hell of a time finding good-looking sense wingers. Uh, but I have pieced together what I think is a reasonable starting lineup based on, you know, how handsome these folks are. Um, starting at left wing, um, Nick Foligno. Listen, you have heard of the dad bod. Let me talk to you about the father figure. Because that's Nick Foligno. <laughs> he, <laughs> he has that stubble. He has that, you know, receding hairline that hits just right. 
And uh, I think uh, I think in his younger years, he uh, he was a good looking guy. Um, yeah, I I wish for those of you who are listening uh, to go to a YouTube channel right now and look at the looks on Matt and Matt's faces right now. Uh, moving right along, um, at center, Derek Broussard, I think, is a handsome looking guy. He's kind of uh, cute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Nice eyes, you know. Um, right wing, uh, the king of the moment, Drake Batherson. He's a good looking guy. Mm. I, no, I think that's fair. That's a fair choice for right yeah. wing. And uh, listen, defense. I mean, who else could it be? Only Zoo. So, Though, yeah, <laughs> who else could it be but Eric Carlson and Mark Thought? You know, a handsome looking duo, best wow. friends. You know, they uh, uh, listen. You know, when when my wife and I go to the games and we see the TSN, you know, um, commentary booth off to the side, and uh, I'm stepping over Lindsay Hamilton, uh, my queen, uh, Kim <laughs> is stepping over Mark Thought, right. so of course, yeah, as you do, and uh, finally for goalie position. Um, who else other than Big Ben Bishop? Okay. I think uh I think that that one stands for itself. I yeah. was getting roasted for my taste, and you pull <laughs> out Nick fucking Felino. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is true. So before the episode started, other Matt said Roman Wick, to which Ben and I were like, eh. But Nick Foligno is definitely questionable, Bennett. So I'm not I can't side with you on that one. Yeah. All right. So so I'm going to, I have like, I have my roster and I have an like honorable mention. Oh God. Okay. So at center, I'm going like beautiful eyes, Zach Smith. That guy had this grizzled, good look about him and uh, everything about him was, uh, he was so nice. Uh, honorable mention nice, to Zach our Smith young is a friend king. of a friend. I can confirm. Great guy. I met, yeah, there I you met go. him too, and yeah, he was a nice dude. Uh, honorable mention to our young king, Shane Pinto. He is yeah. genuinely a good-looking lad. Uh, yes. And I brought uh, this up before the episode too, but Tom Pyatt, I think, is in the mix. Uh, On-ice performance, not great, but off-ice, yeah. off ice, you know, that dude could probably be like an underwear model or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, good to know. Uh, at left wing, I have Anthony Duclair. Okay. That guy is a good-looking lad. Yeah, facial hair, no facial hair, he rocks it all. Then, at right wing, we have our GQ model first overall pick, Alexander Digg. That guy oh. was like, I'm done with hockey. I'm going to go into... Uh, going into... Um, the beautician industry. And, and modeling and stuff. And you simply love to see it. Uh, on D, of course, we have Eric Carlson. Uh, short hair, long hair, no beard, beard. Oof. And his tattoos are so sick. The guy gets done. All right. So now we have our dark horse defenseman here. David Runblatt. That guy was gorgeous. <laughs> Swedish flow out the wazoo looked great doing it. My honorable mention, Bennett, you have to mute your goddamn thing. Oh, <laughs> honorable mention to Mike Koska. His nickname was literally Thor. Yeah, that's and true. And he I legitimately looked yeah. like him. And then for goalies, this was a hard one because uh, we we've had quite a few good-looking goalies. 
But I think it's a tie between Chris Drieger, the smoldering mustachio himself on the Seattle Kraken, or newly minted and retired six foot six giant Anders Nielsen. That guy was a hunk of burning love. Anders Nielsen? Yeah. He was six foot six? Yeah. Man, Do you I don't not know, know why. That? No, I, he was I mean, huge. I don't, yeah, I get, he was. You're right, but I just yeah. I don't know why I didn't think you six six. Anyway, yeah, no, I, he, he was uh, huge and six six, uh, like mad tattoos, and just like good looking lad. And he brought like all of this positive uh, positivity to the team. Wanted to get involved with like LGBTQ stuff in in um, in Ottawa and and really push for that and. Uh, you know, I think that's that's my like top, like my roster for uh, handsomest lads of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't really make a list because I, I wanted you guys to take it away, and I was just going to throw some input in. But uh, I think Timmy Stew deserves a look uh, on that left wing. So I know he's now playing center, but uh, the bulk of the I thought time, about it. Yeah, yeah. I think bulk, I think he'll definitely yeah. grow into his looks a little yeah. bit. He still looks a little bit like. Like a like a 19-year-old right now? Yes. Oh, my God, guys. Thanks for making me sound like a creep. I just mean that the dude, you know, he's a handsome lad. Yeah. As he ages, he'll, you know. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I just think he deserves a spot, even though it's recency bias. He deserves at, at least an honorable mention. But, yeah, I would have said Pinto in there, too. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really disagree with you guys much. I don't have anything else. I can to add I can definitely disagree with a lot of what Bennett said. I'm yeah, not I mean, gonna lie. When you said Felino, I'm like, okay, maybe you know, if Marcus Felino had played for the Sens, I could understand that. He's definitely of the two brothers, the better looking one. But um, you know, Bennett, it's okay. You know, uh, we all have maybe some feelings for uh, guys who are a little bit uh, rougher around the edges and a little more gritty at heart. So. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't fault you. For that I, I did not. I did not peg you for like a a Ben Bishop type looking guy. <laughs> I thought you'd be like a rugged lad, but then you know. Yeah, well, I, I I will say I think the pickings at wing, like I said before, are like a little sparse. But I I think I'm willing to stand stand behind the Nick Foligno pick. I think that I think there's a certain kind of person out there. That you know, uh, yeah, person. his wife. He's, he's the butter <laughs> on their biscuit, you know. Yeah, his wife and Bennett <laughs> and Bennett. Don't forget Bennett and Bennett. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. Bennett. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can't. I really hope somebody comments on this part of the episode. <laughs> somebody <laughs> needs to comment about whether Nick Foligno is a yay or a nay in their books for looks. I, yeah. I gotta maybe I gotta yeah. th- throw that throw, th- throw that one out to Twitter when we yeah. promote this episode. <laughs> and Bennett, <laughs> make, Bennett's a, make, like, make a Twitter poll. <laughs> yeah, and it's like asterisk is that it needs to be like pre two thousand and nine. Nick, yeah. <laughs> no, no I, I'm going like, to stand by what I'm going to stand by it, and I'm going to say no asterisk. I say you know lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think I think people should stand by what they believe in, and well, don't be ashamed. Well, uh, okay. Anyway, um, yeah. Okay, so we'll finish it off kind of on a lower note. Uh, we're going to be taking a bit of a hiatus for at least the next couple of weeks. Uh, we do have. I think they're not canceled. The World Juniors will be on, so that's yeah. going to be something to look forward to because yep. we won't have NHL hockey potentially for the whole holiday break here. Uh, so yeah. 
we didn't really want to comment on the postponing of games, but more so just it is what it is. A lot of players yeah. are, uh, are testing positive or in contact with someone who has. So a lot of games have been canceled, so there won't be much sense news. But And I think also the trade freeze for the holidays is happening uh, in the next couple of days. So that happens too. And uh, yeah, so not much on the way the sends. We'll be away for a bit. Uh, Ridley Gregg, Jake Sanderson, and Tyler Clevin will all be at the World Juniors. So we'll get to Levy Marilyn and Annie Roby Urventi will be as well. And That's my uh, bad. Yep. it's all good. You know, I love our Finnish lads. You um, do? And we're going to, I'm going to be watching it. So if you want some of your uh, World Junior fill, check out our Twitter. Um, I'll keep you posted on how they're doing. And, and I'm sure Matt. And and Bennett will be watching from time to yeah. time too. So yeah. well, uh, like, Bennett like still doesn't junior. have our our Twitter password, so he can. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be tweeting along, uh, tweeting along to my own uh, my own followers, well, and fair, and, uh, and you know, after, like making the occasional retweet from our actual account. I mean, after Bennett's comments about Nick Foligno, he's never getting yeah. that Twitter. Yeah, our uh, our official podcast Twitter account will just become like a me like favoriting a bunch of like Nick Foligno thirst traps or something. Yeah, we'll have to really it's, cut down on those. It's like yeah. Michael Delzato and Lisa Ann all over again, but it's just Bennett and. Yeah, Nick Foligno yeah. just, just me DMing Nick Foligno like a hundred times. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, okay, I'll come on the podcast." And we're like, "No, no, no." Bennett just wanted to message you about how handsome you were, and then yeah. he's just like, "He's like, that's kind of weird." Uh, yeah. But thank you. I'll still do the podcast, and Ben is like, "No, no, no, you don't meet your idols. <laughs> You're free, yeah. King. You're free." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe we'll do like a like a World Junior recap episode or something. Just uh, like once that's we over. Do, yeah, we'll do like yeah. a sense. I mean, everyone listening is like, okay, but yeah, we'll do like a sense. Focusing on the sense recap. prospects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, well, thanks for f- uh, finding us on YouTube. Please subscribe and give us a like. Uh, I know we're we're small, we're trying to grow, so uh, appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening on our podcast format, uh, thank you very much. And as I just said, you can find us on YouTube as well. So go there if you like having the YouTube option, I guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that's really it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff at Sensetennial or The Sensetennial. Pretty easy to find us. And go, Sens, go. Stay happy. Stay healthy. uh, You know, say hi to your families for us. And uh, send your regards to Nick Foligno for us. Really appreciate that. Do, Do all the weird stuff, too. Yeah, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. See you guys uh, guys in the new year. All right, see you, everybody. Let's go.